Welcome to the Edinburgh City Supporters Club podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Edinburgh City Supporters Club pod. I also forgot the usual, the very unofficial Edinburgh City Supporters Club pod. Uh, it is me again, uh, the Right Reverend Bobby Love. Uh, join oh. Mr. Rooney and Mr. Monks, Alan Creef. How are we doing, lads? Very good, mate. Thank you. Very good. Yeah, absolutely grand. And I thought, as you, you missed it, unofficial. I thought we'd been taken over by the by the club there, and they've had enough of our, uh, <laughs> course, brought them under, or brought them under their wing. But I still, still very much unofficial. Yeah, yeah, we're going to keep that status for as long as possible, I think. Unless, of course, the club want to bring us onto the payroll and give us some money. That would be delightful. So if you're listening, Chairman Brown, happily give us a couple hundred quid a week each. No no questions asked. <laughs> uh, but we're on the subject of Chairman. Uh, part of the reason for tonight's pod uh, is kind of two-pronged, and we'll get into the second part a little bit later on. Uh, the first one is to talk about the continual shutdown. Um, lack of information, really just how it's affecting us all. Um, I will go last on this because I had my say last week in another media role um, <laughs> with our friends at Pure Football um, doing a kind of online panel talking about it. So I'll come to Ali first because uh, obviously Rooney gets his football fix elsewhere. Uh, Ali, how have you found it the last few weeks? What's your thoughts? Just give us a good Mr. Monk's moans. I think it's just... I mean, everybody feels it, but I think frustration is the word that's, that's used for everyone. And, and there's psychological reasons that people use football as a bit of an escapism. We all have a kind of busy week at work or studying or doing whatever it is we're doing or, or looking after family. You have that, you've got that escape to where you go and you just don't think about anything else for, for, for an hour and a half or two hours. You're just there watching football, you're, you're enjoying it, you're in amongst people that you know, letting up some steam if you're, if you're me or couple. It's just it's just that real frustration that that's that's that we've not been able to get the uh, feels feels like forever ago that we that we beat Airdrie in the cup and it's just been dragging on and dragging on and dragging on. And I don't think we've actually had one new bit of information since then, as far as I can as far as I can tell. And I don't think we've been kept in the dark about it as fans. I just don't think there is any information there. I don't think there's any guidance. I don't think there's any there's no route forward for this we're recording tonight just after after the first minister's Statement from the uh, from the, the very first steps of lockdown. Football is obviously not covered in that at all, as far as I could I could see. And I think no news is probably bad news in this scenario because we're just about out of time. Important we're twenty seven game season we're going to have. At the best, could we maybe get eighteen? I think you're thinking about about the, the players. Then you know, there's got to, the players have not been training obviously because they're all on furloughs. So you can't go training. Okay, some of them will have been keeping fit where possible, but all you can really do is exercise in your house, which is a challenge. Is if you don't have a space, you know, they're not Premiership players. They don't have all these mansions where you know with a with a gym and a pool and things like that. You know, trying to get out running or something. We've been under you know a bit of snow for the last you know week or so. So you've got to give players maybe six weeks or something to get back up to speed in terms of training. Otherwise, it'll be a farce. Players will get injured. If guys have got physical jobs to get injured playing football, does that affect their ability to earn on a building site or something like that? You've got to be fair to the fair to the players. So I think it just feels like it's going to be it's just going to be cancer. I think it's going to be null and void. I can't see any other way around it. Um 
I guess maybe the discussion then moves on to actually does, does that mean we try and do something different next season? We'll be we'll a big fan of summer football, something I'm, I'm in favour of as well, but it doesn't even feel like that's on the on the table, which is a frustration. Again, it's so there just there just seems to be no there just seems to be no no route out of this for us. And, and I think actually just you, you mentioned there about about really getting this football fixed in other places. But just to hear what he's got to say because I found watching football, and I watch football from all around the world and, and, and things, um, as a kind of a casual observer, I found it quite difficult to watch without any fans. I find it really, really soulless. It's not but you know, if, if this was what football was like all the time, I certainly wouldn't pay 300 quid a month to Sky or whatever it is and an X amount of pounds to BT every month to get my football fix. I find it quite, it's quite grim, to be honest. It, it, it really is. It's got that friendly match vibe to it and so yeah it's um it's tough very very much missing football i suppose the only thing i would say it does seem like next season next season we might be able to get we might be able to get in properly and and, and, and be able to be at games but i still think there should be a conversation about what does next season look like you know and, and let's be let's be creative at, at this but let's try and sell scottish football a bit here is there's talk of maybe the lower the two lower leagues combining having one league of, of, of twenty. I know that might be you know two home you know you know playing teams twice instead of fourteen, four times, something like that, just to get a bit of energy back in amongst get people's excitement back about Scottish football we'll come back with a big bang because I just don't see how we're going to the finish like yeah that's all you know eighteen game season. Twenty seven is a push eighteen is surely it's surely for me is a nonsense. Um, I would probably tend to agree with that. Um, I think 18 also probably gives the SPFL their sport integrity get out for making sure the pyramid doesn't happen again, which which for me to have two curtailed seasons and therefore the pyramid uh, the, the pyramid being curtailed as well, I think is, is absolutely a, it's an important set of affairs really. It shouldn't have happened last season. Um, like we spoke about before in previous pods, the ideal scenario would have been at least finishing last season into the summer, knowing there was a good chance it was going to be a second wave or perhaps a third wave, um, and it was going to be difficult to, to finish another season. Um, and so it's transpired. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make anybody feel good saying, "Well, we told you so." Um, but I, I think it was it was such an obvious kind of way things were going to transpire that to not look and have that kind of foresight that this might happen. Really showed up like a naivety, I think. But then again, I know we're in a pandemic; it's different. There's new things to go, but there showed a real kind of lack of creativity, I suppose, like you said, about what possible solutions we can have going forward. I mean, even now, 18 games. I can understand that they're talking 18 games and then a split of four games. 22 games coming back in the middle of March is still going to be pretty tough, especially because the championship season finishes at the end of April. Then you're going to have maybe two or three weeks of a gap. Who's second book in the championship? We're going to be happy with that because their players are then going to be out of commission for a couple of weeks, you know, and so on and so forth. And all these kind of logistical arguments and problems arise. Um, it looks like going into summer football or into the summer's a non-starter by, by all accounts. They're not interested in that. I can see to some extent why. But then again, that goes back to an argument, well, why has summer football never been considered? Or at least, even for this season, when they knew there was going to be probably a second wave, 
even the market, the league's better. You've got nothing on during the summer apart from rugby league, really. Um, obviously, the Euros would have been there, but that wouldn't have mattered too much, I wouldn't have thought. Um, even if you suspended the leagues for two or three weeks, what matter? What does it matter? But yeah, it's been a difficult set of circumstances. It's frustrating. I, I fully agree with you. Watching football on the television for me is absolutely dull. Um, I'm not a huge consumer of football like I used to be anyway, but I think since the pandemic started, I find it really, really difficult. No fans. The players don't. I mean, I spoke about that with Danny Denham with the online panel a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he made mention of sometimes it's some of the players need the fans to give them a wee bit of a, a G up, so to speak. Um, what we'd probably call a foot up the arse. Um, so, so I can see why some players maybe need that wee bit extra kind of oomph for the stands. Of course, there'll be other players who are probably absolutely delighted there's nobody there. You know, effing and jeffing in the rear and telling them how shit they are. Um, so that's maybe enhanced their performance. Well, I think on the whole, players like, like having crowds, whether it just be 10 fans in the dug or something at the side of the pitch, at least they've got something there that they can hear. Eh? Um, but aye, I, I think that's where we are at the minute. Rooney, what's your, what's your thoughts on it all? I don't know, to be honest. It's, uh, when it first all started off and it was all the dirt, I was like, great, there's games every night, batter on. And then you just realise that you go back to what you were like before, you don't really watch games that you're interested in. Or, you know, games that you're interested in. It's like, I had no interest whatsoever in watching Brighton and Hove Albion and Crystal Palace play football last night. Although Brighton maybe put the ball on the deck and they're pretty to watch. I'm not interested in watching that. You know, like, watching Burnley. Like, oh God, I had to watch Craig Levine's teams. That's just bad. Just 10 men behind the ball and knock it long. It's horrendous. So I don't get your fix in other places. It's not a, it's an endless podcast. That's just bad. But I think probably goes back to what um, we spoke about in one of the other podcasts about accountability as well. And it's not like we're saying about no fans in or anything like that. It's, it's, it's more of a to me. But like going through the motions, it's like we have to do this, we have to play. But it'd be different if you're top of the league or something like that, or you know, or you're trying to, you know, like this team's trying to win stuff, or like the Champions League on the night and stuff, you know, it still won't be the same for them, but you know, they're going for it. But if, if, if mid table mediocrity is mid table mediocrity, you know, it's, it's going to seem even worse than what it normally is because it's like, well. I don't have any fans to get annoyed that we're only going to finish table, you know, so I can't, you know, I've got nobody to worry about. I can just, you know, I can go through the motions. So um, I'm a bit disappointed in the whole, when it come out about the, the home and away stuff and all that. And it, just, it just strikes me even more that everything was finished last year or, you know, granted the league was finished early, but they played the Scottish Cup last year. And I know it's further on. Last year's one, um, just to give Celtic a chance of another treble, just to keep them happy, you know. And it's like everybody will go, "Oh, well, that's better because the other team got beat." But you know, it's to me that should have just been, but actually been null and void last year. Same with the Scottish Cup this year, you know, it should have been a. You either should have just went, "We're not playing it," or it should have been a unless you're testing twice a week, you're not getting entered, sort of thing, you know, because we. No disrespect to Bonnie Rick Rose. I sat and watched him play, um, they played Bonnes on the 2nd of January. I sat and I paid on Facebook to watch their game because there was nothing else on, but it was good to watch their game. Um, and then watch them playing against Dundee and you're going, 
like the Dundee guys at the time, I don't know if they were testing, but it's like you can't tell the Borough guys are testing. Somebody, you know what I mean? It's no disrespect to them or what they're doing. I'm not on the boat then, but you know, the, the criteria is there for the professionals, but it, it's not there for the board down the leagues you go. You know, and, and I know we spoke about this in the, in, the, in the previous podcast about associations helping out and stuff like that, and, and the, you know, and the PFA helping out and stuff, but to me, it's just like, We'll get all the pros tested, the guys that do it full time, and, and everybody else that doesn't really matter, you know. And it, it, it's it's that should have been all considered right at the start. And I don't know, like the League Two and League One teams have said, look, we'll go to twice a week testing and stuff. But you know, all that should have been considered. And then there's like, I think I don't know if it was um, Ali that made the point, you know, or it was somebody else I heard that, but surely that say they went right, everybody in. The top four tier, however, it was going to get funded, it was going to get funded, but everybody's going to test twice a week. If you don't test twice a week, you're not playing. You know, there was a hard line on that, right? Regardless of whether you're part time, full time, if you're not testing twice a week, you're out. That's it. You know, you can start a season out or we'll find somebody else or whatever would have happened, right? Would have happened. And to me, it's like, surely it would be better for, like, to me and Ali, who I know you don't have to go to uni at the moment, Bob, but like I'm I still go in the office. So I could be playing one of the guys in my team could be playing in league two. Surely it would be more beneficial if he's getting tested twice a week. Even with Joe Boss like me still being deemed that I have to be a key worker and go in the office. You know, surely that would be better the more people that you test, regardless of what level they are or where about they are or whatever, you know. So if these guys are playing twice a week. And I know they're going to come into contact because they're playing football. There's that risk as well. But surely them being tested twice a week is going to be beneficial for the whole country rather than, you know, right, we'll just test the pros and then everybody else can just sort of, it's kind of like that. You can worry about it. And I think a lot of, and I've read a lot of things about sort of um, saying they're not stopping the championship because the SFA are worried about what Hearts would do and not stopping the, the Premier League because they're worried about Rangers would do and stuff. And I'm like, well, there's maybe an element of that, but I think there's also an element of it goes back to maybe there's an element of why the Finnish Scottish Cup because of sponsorship and people are paid, you know, they would lose out the money. Obviously, they lost out the money because they finished the season early anyway. With the BT and the Sky deal, they lost all that money. Um, you know, would they lose out on all the money that BBC are putting in to put all these Friday night games on? You know, clubs, not just hearts, but like say you've been to the South Sea, you've and all the teams that are playing on a Friday night, everybody else, are both in that for playing on a Friday night. All these clubs would lose out on money as well. I'm not saying it's right, but I think that's there's maybe an element of behind that 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 they too haven't stopped because there's no League One, League Two TV coverage as well. You know, so look I'm not I'm not saying it's right because I do miss watching my I used to when I when we, when we go on to our next topic from Smith had our bones, but um, I still reminisce and enjoyed my time going to watch Edinburgh City playing in the old East of Scotland League. You know, when it all started, it'll be close to 30 years now, which is, I mean, I think that. <laughs> like, I enjoyed going to watch City playing in public parks and stuff and all that stuff and doing all that. You know what I mean? That, it's a, it's, it probably gives me a great perspective of having a, a well, sorry. A season ticket for a Scottish Championship team, who um, <laughs> are full time and being in the Premier League, and, you know, and seeing them in Champions League qualifiers and stuff, and having a perspective of going, no, I do go and watch real football as well, but I go and watch the guys who have worked thirty five hours a week, and then they, 
you know, they roll their sleeves up, they roll their socks up, and they play 90 minutes on a Saturday. So it probably gives me, I, I'm missing that. I, I miss that probably more than watching, you know, the Pretty Boy stuff, because you don't, you don't have an affiliation. You know, and I talk to Aaron when I do some live streaming with him and how the two of us watch Newcastle, even that's getting mind them and you just get frustrated at them and don't watch them. At least you can watch City and go, you know, you've got you. We we are very fortunate. I think as a fan base that we have such a strong connection with the club. Um, not that I'm angling for two fifty a week. I'd be happy at two hundred pounds a week if they wanted to give us that. But um, but you know, I think we're quite we're fortunate in that, and you miss that as well because it's more. And I'm not going to say, but we could probably go back to Bob's TV celebrity moment when he he talks about you're not treated as a customer down in the lower leagues, but you know. You, it is more of it seems more of a community thing, you know, and, and more of a like obviously I'd met Bob before, but I've never met Alan, but we would have never met all the young team, we would have met you know, all the stuff that we do. It's like it has pulled a lot of us all together. It's a good community that we have and a good, a good group we have. Um you know, it's missing that. And I, I, as much as I get that we're gonna work out as well, but it's different doing it with City because you get to go to all places and all corners of Scotland that I'd never thought I would go. It's <laughs> <laughs> like we talk about Anna and all over and over and over and over. What a day it was. You know what I mean? So, even there's a place past some priest, is there? Nah, I don't believe you. So, you know, you can do all these things. And it just, yeah, I'm gutted that it's, it seems like it has been just, but I, objectively, not just going, being, just want to stick it up with the ugly sisters, but. I do think there's an element of there's no TV deal, and I think that's why we've been taking it into consideration that as much as City and the guys in League Two and League One will lose, will lose out, and there will be sponsorship involved. I fully get that, but the TV money will probably outweigh what guys are getting. You know what I mean? And it's maybe League One and League Two have probably been able to budget without not having any TV money. As to where you know, like to see a Dundee, Gerard Roths, all these teams, Championship, even the Premier League, you look at the likes of Hamilton and stuff like that, they'll all be budgeting because they'll have TV money coming in. And it's, it's, I'm not saying it's right, but I think that's maybe an element of why it's they two are going on and the other two aren't. I, I, I can see that point, but I think that possibly brings us back to how the SPFL board have kind of mismanaged. Uh, the league's for long enough. I mean, other other countries have like all the divisions televised at some instance. No, I mean we said before, maybe like an SPFL TV streaming service. People pay their money and all that kind of stuff. It just seems that like League One and League Two and and below for that matter as well. Obviously, the Lowlands and the Highlands and yeah. so on and so forth. It just seemed like an easy fix because of things that were happening at higher levels. And the more it goes on, the more you kind of think this is actually why the why it was stopped. And then Doncaster uttered the the words null and void about four or five days into the shutdown. And you're like, this. It, the, the, the less it comes out, and the more you've seen over the last couple of years, the more sceptical you become of the SPFL board, which, with it, which really... Is even is worse for them because nobody really trusted them anyway, and it gets to that point where you're like, "Yep, you're saying that, but do we actually believe you?" And at times you don't, and it almost seems like null and void because he uttered it so early on after the shutdown yeah. that this was the end goal. 
get rid of the two get rid of the two logs and the two leagues and below. We'll just allow the other two to carry on anyway. I mean, things like the testing and all that. I can understand the television point, but there's part time teams in the championship and there's full time teams. Oh, no, winning, you know, yeah. Uh, and the fact that all like for for all our years, for all our combined years of watching Scottish football, how often have we seen teams come together the way leagues one and two did? To have a joint statement to say, for the good of the game, even though it's going to cost some of us like a considerable amount of money, we're going to do this to get back. Yeah, only yeah. to be told, no, you know, nope, sorry guys. And you're like, what? Why? And then they say originally, then they came up with saying, oh, it's, it's in the government's boat. It was the government that caused that shutdown, but the government have said nothing. And then when the original shutdown happened, that definitely came for the SFA because, as we said in the last pod, three days before the first minister had, had actually made mention of it during the daily briefing that she wasn't looking for lower leagues to get stopped. And they obviously seemed very much for reading the statement that it was the governing bodies who decided to take the decision that it was Leagues 1 and 2 and below or the SFA on their own. I don't think even the, GR, the JRG were consulted either. The second one, there was nothing from the government. It was the third one that then came out and said the government have said not to. Yet at that time, case, the case rate was lower than it was in October when they restarted. Uh, test positivity rate was lower than what it was in October when they started, uh, and there was another start along those lines. Uh, everything uh, in terms of the, the kind of COVID scenario was all better in terms of what it was when they started in October. Mm-hmm. So there's some I've got a degree, a real degree scepticism of why this is carrying on. Um, I think it kind of roots a little bit in my, my real distrust and what goes on higher up. Ali, what do you think? Yeah, so it's, it's hard to, to decide for the things. I just, I think for me, I don't know whether I think it's some, some grand conspiracy. I think with the, the shutdown, and said it before, they, they needed, needed to be seen to do something because there's been instances of, of bad behaviour from, from football teams. And, and we've seen some in just the last few weeks, you know, and it was just, it was almost as if the, the, the Leagues one and two, and then the leagues below were just sacrificed because we're an easy target because essentially nobody cares. Nobody particularly cares what, what, what we think or what we say about it. And I just, I, I, I don't know. Um, it's, it, I, I just don't think anybody actually knows. I don't think there's some grand plan behind it. I don't think there's anything, maybe even, I know you've just seen that you're cynical and you're right to be about it, but I wonder if it's, it feels like it's more incompetence to me than anything. anything like mendacious, if you know what I mean. That's the way it comes across. And and even for example, when we're not we're telling teams at school here, when the shutdown was announced, um, it's not as if the clubs have been consulted about it. The clubs and the chairman found out the same time as we did. They found out on Twitter, basically. It's not as if there was anything anything there. And I think that to me just smacks of incompetence and, and panic. And that's all it's and that's all it's been. And one thing is, once people shut down, once leagues one and two are shut down and then the leagues below it, the argument to bring them back again is really hard. You've got to make, I know you're saying about test positivity rates and, and, and incidence rates, etc., etc. The argument to bring something back in to being has to be so much stronger than it was initially, but it was already there. If you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I just don't know how they're going to be able to make that to make that argument. If, I, if I'm honest with you, like, I don't know how many cases we saved by. By having the league shut down, nobody knows that. You know, nobody can say how how many instances there's been people people caught at training or not during games. I suspect it's quite low, to be honest with you, because I think we would have heard more about it in other leagues as well. 
Um, but you know, when the clubs came, and pay play, right? The clubs came together and said, "Look, we are happy to make this sacrifice. We are happy to pay for for, for the the testing facility, which puts us on an even keel with the rest of Scottish sports continuing, including part-time teams." And uh, for me, I didn't get an actual reason why that was rejected. It was just, you know, I think we were all quite excited when we saw the statement. We thought, you know, here we go. This might be this might be the chance for us to get back to it. We might get to, to get the season finished, and it was just like. It's almost as someone deleted the email, to be honest with you, with a, with a statement on it. It just didn't seem to get picked up at all. That's a rumour. Maybe ended up in Dundee's, uh, Dundee's spam folder. Or spam folder, right, yes. <laughs> but uh, but me, I, don't, I don't think it's... I think it's incompetence is the, is the problem uh, really there for the and particularly, particularly cynical, unfortunately. I think one of those things that pick up on what you said, it's just a general lack of communication. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems very much, it seems very much like, especially for fans. It might not be, it might be different for the clubs. I don't know, but because we're, we're not hearing anything necessarily directly from the club, I don't think any of the clubs has given out any information, which to me would suggest that they're not getting anything either. So we're, we're kind of just stuck in the dark, and it just seems like they're all in these kind of smoky wee rooms. Or what would you mean, smoking rooms? You're obviously not like smoking doors anymore. But uh, these kind of like darkened corridors and, and not saying anything, you know, lights off, not going to speak to anybody. And I think that's what really is the frustrating thing about the frustrating thing about it all is that you just don't hear anything. I mean, today's update that we got from the, the, SFA, the SFA GRG was a, it was a nothing statement. Well, nothing to report until we've got something to report. Well, what's the point? What you should have said was, right, we have had talks with the government. Even just a little bit saying, uh, yeah, we have had talks with the Scottish government. Uh, we're still in talks with the Scottish government. Uh, we've put forward a plan, or the clubs have come forward to put forward a plan. There was none of that. It was just, well, we'll find out when we find out. What's the point? So it's so, so frustrating, and it's just, you know, it's, it's the effect that it's going to have on 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 fans not being able to go, like you said, the community aspect. We've got, I know we've only got like a, a small number of fans, but it's quite a strong community, I would suggest. That's going to be the same for a lot of fans up and down the country. You know, it's going to have an effect on players. I mean, there was Conrad Balatoni tweeting today that he's like, well, why have we not heard anything? Get your fingers out, kind of. You've heard for other players tweeting about on social media that, you know, it's affecting them a little bit. I mean, it's not even just, obviously, there's the mental side, the physical side. But for a lot of the players as well, I've got some sympathy because the guys lower down don't make a king's ransom. And a lot of the players in Leagues 1 and 2 and below actually have that as a second job. Like some, some people who are in, say, uh, like the service industry and have to take two jobs to make ends meet. Some footballers use footballers that to make ends meet. But everybody just seems to assume that because you're a footballer, you must make a lot of money. So this second job is really just kind of like just kind of like pocket money. But for some of the guys, um, and going back to that talk I had the other week, Danny Denham said that, he says, some of the guys need that money. Furlough doesn't necessarily cover it all. You might not even be able to go on furlough, I think, for some people. If your clubs are going to top up at 20%, that's 20% you've got to find elsewhere. I mean, it's difficult for some of these these guys to even make ends meet a lot of the time as well. And I do have some sympathy for that, for a lot of the players. And to be honest, I do have sympathy for the for coaching teams and board level as well because they're just in the dark you're going to have irate fans tweeting into <laughs> and phoning up going where's my football why are you doing you're doing nothing 
when in actual fact, the quality of them are working really hard behind the scenes, but they, they, they can't communicate anything because they're not getting anything. Yeah. So it's just a whole difficult situation all around. And it's just, it, it's just, oh, I don't know. You kind of get fed up, but you don't want to get fed up and become full antipathy because if you do that, you start thinking, well, what's the point in going back? And, and, I, and I dare say there's going to be some fans that are like that going, you know what, I'm sick of all that. Well, why would that, the impact that's going to have on clubs further down the line as well? Um, aye, so when you, what, what's your, what's your thoughts? Uh, look, I'm not going to, I can't, I don't disagree with what either of you are saying. I think you're probably trying to, I'm probably still in work mode, but I'm trying to look at stuff objectively rather than just being <laughs> interested in, God, it's all Doncaster and it's it's fault, but. You know, there's probably an element of both. There is probably an element of both of the of the TV stuff and the the, the you know the, the put somebody up. I don't. What gets me as well is you look at this what what clubs are doing in the, in the breaches. What's happened at Rangers and what's happened at Aberdeen um, is not the club doing the breach. You know what I mean? That's the only thing I'd be saying that you know. Celtic had their beaches because they went for their their training camp stroke jolly to Dubai. Right? That's why they've had their beaches, which is to me has made more out of it because it's not as if like the boys had a house party and they were caught having a house party, you know, and that's why the beaches are had. Celtic would have been getting hammered for that with the players, like the Rangers players and the Aberdeen players. Granted, it goes to the clubs because it's employees, like we discussed before about what Ali and I, that would be me and Ali sort of enough to divide. We thought we'd be wanting us in the jail, but that's a different story. So, you know, I think that's probably highlighted it and just made it even worse. To say that there's probably will be an element that the SFA have went, right, we need to be seen to be doing something. But what they should have been doing is, is maybe finding or warning Celtic very, very heavily. I don't think they could do, I'm saying fining, I don't think they would get away with fining them. I don't think they would get away with giving them a points deduction because technically they weren't breaking the law. As much as it pains me to say it, they weren't breaking the law. You know, they were strongly advised not to go, but there's that is it essential journey or not, you know, that comes into it as well. But so I suppose I suppose you could say they were breaking the law of public opinion. Well, yeah, exactly, but you know what I mean? It's not in black and white. So they've went, oh well, nobody's told us we can't do it, so we're doing it. Yeah, I think I think if they if they just kind of looked at it a bit more pragmatically and went, do you know what, guys, things cases are going up at the minute. You know, obviously we say back in November we can go. Maybe it isn't it such a good idea. Let's let's um, let's let's let me finish and go. Look, I think there's probably an element of a mixture, and I don't think it's one thing. I would love to see it just going to be better, Bob, and just go. Blame Doncaster and SSA, <laughs> ram them. They didn't care about anybody. I read something today to go on a, on a page of going, the SFA care about two things. The ugly sisters, I mean, Scotland's doing well. That's it. So, um, we should not, 
let's fingers crossed and, and hopefully get back in to see some sort of League Two football between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think as much as I've had a rant, as much as I, I tend not to go down the conspiracy theory and I've got a hole with this, uh, in, in actual fact, I'm, I'm writing a piece just now and one of the aspects is like, obviously you've got, you know, everybody complained or they only kept, the way it was voted was to keep breaking in the league. There's another 41 clubs in the SPFL who voted and the majority decided to, to do what they did last last year. They're not all going to be voting for breaking to stay in the league. I mean, that's just balderdash. Let's let's just kind of let's just have a think about things here, right? Maybe the idea maybe came up or whatever from there, and that's fine. I mean, you're seeing now maybe like things are going to happen because Allah was at the bottom and Breakin are at the bottom, and that's because the two guy, the two chairmen that are on the SPFL board and all that. That's fair enough. I think it more comes back to incompetence. Yes, people will be looking out for their own self-interest. Uh, all clubs do that at some point, I think. Um, to, to a point. And that's fair. I think everybody would understand that to a point. But when it comes down to a vote, there's a vote of 42 clubs. And there has to be a certain aspect, a certain number of those 42 clubs who have to vote a certain way yes. to get these scenarios. So as much as you have your like your, your Twitterati, Scottish football Twitterati coming out and saying, oh, well, it's because of this, that, and the other. I've got, I, I can look at it a bit more pragmatically and say, oh, let's, let's just take a wee step back here and have a think about things. You know what I mean? I mean, fortunately, we voted again for the pyramid after taking some wild abuse. I may add, that I never got any apology for because uh, I had to take it on the Twitter account. Um, <laughs> some of us continue to vote for the pyramid. Some of us will continue to vote for the pyramid. Um, obviously, it did affect us because we were in a playoff position. But I think it was more. I think the way the statement was worded more. We saw that there had to be a promotion playoff, and I think, as we said at the beginning. We're now probably going to have two years in a row without like a pyramid, any pyramid playoffs across any of the leagues in Scotland. And frankly, I just find that absolutely unacceptable. And that's oh. because of the, the incompetence and mismanagement from those that are in charge of the game, really. Scottish football has to evolve. And if it's going to stay four league, professional leagues, it has to evolve with that pyramid system. Because, and, and, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want to sound disrespectful to the teams that have been there for so long, but you know, it comes back to going through the motions. How many years did like he's still in that position? Shire for the top of the league. I'm sorry, the Shire fans, but you know, how many years? You go, well, you could back, you know, you almost took who they were playing about, you can get back because you knew you were going to get beat. You know, and then it was like, no, wait a minute, you can get relegated. You know, so it's, it's sport and competition. And, you know, I don't want to say it's not integrity, but you know, it's, it's competition, isn't it? It's competition you need. These, there's so many teams out with that we know just in our local extended Edinburgh area and in Fife that will add so much value and there'll be so many in the West as well. There, you know, and it's, we just need to look at Celtic. You know, we just need to look at Bonnie Rigros. And that's just the name too. That they would add so much to the Scottish Professional League. Um,
unfortunately for us, but look at Cove. You know, so it can happen, you know, and, it, and it's there. It's, it's teams that, there's so many teams that are probably well supported out with the professional league in Scotland that would add value if they decide to come into the pyramid. And I know a lot of them have now, but a lot of them are trying to get into the pyramid to get in because there's no an option there to do it. I was just reading up on stuff before it, before we respond to our topic, because it was racking my brains. And I'm going, I'm reading and I'm going, how many, City applied to get in and never got in because they let Gretna in. Now Gretna went to the box, they tried to apply to get in, they didn't get in because they let Anna in. And you're like, jeez, you forget, I forgot about the Gretna one, I remember the Anna, but I forgot the Gretna, you know. You look at Anna, Anna getting in. Anna's a cracking setup. They've got a decent fan base. They've got, you know, a bar, <clears throat> if the board are listening, they've got a bar, a social club right beside the ground, right um, that you can just sort of, it's actually even closer than Bennett. You didn't even, you know, it's, it literally is like, it's probably about four feet between you leaving the bar to go into the ground. Exactly. <laughs> I know. For the viewers that are listening, you get, Bob's reaction is unbelievable on the, uh, on the video. So, um, it's just a red rag to all that one, isn't it? It is. Well, it was too good. It made it even easier because we got pumped that day as well. At least we could get a fight quick enough after it. Uh, we'll get to that. That's a different story for a different day. So, um, you look at that, you've got all these things that could add so much value. And don't get me wrong, there's teams that have been in there and they've got history there and everything, but the world changes and, and life changes and you have to evolve and you have to move on. If you don't, and, and I have to learn this in my work, if you can't accept change and you can't learn and adapt to move on with change, you're going to get left behind. And it's Scottish football's been like that for a long time. Yep. Final point, Sally, before we go to point two. Yeah, I think in terms of, I'd like to see, uh, there should be an opportunity to do something different with Scottish football. The point about the guy, the, the teams coming into junior leagues, you know, into into the SPFL setup. That's an amazing opportunity because there's some great names there. There's some. It's what it's what we want as fans is is good away days. Teams going to visit us. Teams we've not played before. There's opportunities to actually do something a bit a bit different and see. Look, the last two seasons are almost a write off. Um, basically, are a write off really in terms of. Uh, let's take this as a chance to, to restructure. Let's get you know. Let's get through. West playing against some of these junior teams. Let's get some some stuff. Just just for a bit of excitement again. Let's bring more people into into the into the game. Um, I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but uh, for, for all the reasons we just talked about, but it seems like a perfect opportunity to, to to try and create something good out of this absolute this absolute mess that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. I think I think the one final thing I'd say is that you know when teams lower down the leagues in Scotland tend to get a hard time for those higher up. That like they're, they're just we did the clubs have got no ambition and all this kind of stuff. You, you see some of the ones that have come in, like we said, Kelly Bonnerig, um, who also got East Bride, BSC, these type of teams. You know what I mean? They've all got ambitions to go higher up. Um, Queens Park have just done full time. Our own chairman Jim said that we've got plans to go full time. I mean that that's team shown ambition. I mean that, that's a very kind of like definition of shown ambition. You know, you want to go higher up. You want to make yourself the best team possible, whether that be part-time or full-time. So, it can, it just sometimes, ho- hopefully this can have some kind of attitude change because I think the whole attitude for how people see the lower leagues starts for the very, very top. And this kind of shutdown just kind of summed it up for me is that they can just be, like, it doesn't really matter what happens to League 1 and 2 and below. 
you know, because it doesn't matter the top two thing. And then that kind of feeds into fans. Because obviously, like, we'll be, we'll, we'll be, kind of, like, we know exactly what goes on. The majority of fans are in the top two leagues. We know that. We're no, we're no daft. But in the same respect, is that you try and market your game lower down to get more fans and as alternatives if you're getting a bit sicky higher up. That's how I came to Ember City. You know, just this is a perfect opportunity to do that. And whether they do it or not, like you say, Dali, is that's the question. No. Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, well, that's probably us done for that. Um, part two. Part, part, part two coming. <laughs> We'll see you in a few weeks, guys, when there's still no football back and we're still back one league. No. In all seriousness, it's just difficult. I think we're all just fed up, really, isn't it? That's probably the best way to say it. Yes. Um, right. Why? Anyway, on to something slightly more entertaining. Uh, hopefully, something that's going to cause a little bit more debate. Uh, hopefully, we can have people engaging with us on Twitter, uh, YouTube, wherever this goes. You can give us pelters. I don't really care because uh, we're right and you're no. Um, <laughs> Unless it's Jarrett decides to complain, then we might have some issues. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what we're going to do, guys, we, we kind of started trialling this on Twitter last year was to get people to put in their best City 11s, you know, favorite or your favourite players or whoever. We got a little bit of response. Um, so we're going to try and do that today, just for something that's a bit different for talking about the doom and gloomy football uh, or games or player analysis or anything like that. So. We're going to try and get together between the three of us a possible best 11 that we've seen. Uh, there's going to be a wee bit of debate for, I'm assuming, some of the positions. Yeah. Uh, there's probably about three players, I'm guessing, will have little debate at all. Uh, you can probably guess who they are instantly, but we'll get there anyway. So, what position do we want to start with? Do we want to start with formations or actual positions? I think, Robert, before we start, you take notes just to make sure we or when we get to our collective yeah. 11 and formation, uh, and then I'll, what we'll do is I'll do some fancy graphics as well. You'll do some fancy graphics. But what we forgot to tell your listeners is we're trying out a couple of new things today. Um, we're going to record this, um, then we're going to put the audio onto Anchor rather than recording straight to Anchor. Hopefully that makes a wee bit of difference to the listening experience. And uh, we're also recording it to hopefully put it on YouTube. Uh, Neil, our technical guru here, has got himself a wee toy for his PC, um, and he's going to start faffing about with some graphics. So, fingers crossed it all comes out well. Uh, we'll see how it goes after today's trial. It may be a one and done, but hopefully not. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it, it sounds all pretty good so far to me. That's going to yeah. be amazing. Right. So, so what we're starting with? What we're starting with? Formation? Well, well, I think I'm the only one who wants four at the back. Four at the back. I think we're looking at two back threes for the other two. Is that right? I think, and I'm, I'm going to be. I think I've seen City most successful, and I, I, I need to put a disclaimer in because I've probably watched them more than the two years, and I probably, and I go back to being there right at the start. My memory not being good enough to remember all these good players. I can just <laughs> remember watching Andy Irvin's dad playing. Um, and, and probably Josh Doig's dad playing. I can just remember that. Um, and then I look at guys at that team and I'm racking my brain for players and I'm going, I'm going to do so many good players this service. Even like when we talk about Gary Jordan and that playing and all the guys. And I was like, where's the Man United program? So I can see the team that played Man United all those years ago. Um, so I apologise. <laughs> and Jack. 
don't take it personal. If we've missed all these great players, <laughs> you can come on one day and put us right and need to clock and shit. But uh, it has to be three at the back with two wing backs. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a three at the back man because I think the most successful city teams for me is always a three at the back or three centre halves and then playing the two wing backs. This might be very short and sweet then if Ali doesn't get in entry to me. No, no, it's, it's fine. One of my uh, one of my left back can shuttle across to play a left side centre back. Oh. So. Oh. oh, that's exciting. That's it. Right, so we're playing three to the back. Yeah. Right, we'll, right, what we'll do, what we'll do, what we'll do then, what does, that, what does that leave us with? A 5 2 or a 1 4 2 or a what we doing? <laughs> Three four three four would be really exciting. Like, I think uh, we're going to agree. We'll, we'll go through our goal there, our three cent and a half. So right, right. Let's right. Get, and then we'll do it. that, and then we can sort it. So right, we'll start with goalkeeper. Oh, I would also put any apologies. Any of the current team who are listening, uh, if you don't make it, it's not a slight on you guys. Uh, obviously, some of us have been around a long time. <laughs> uh, all three of us have been around a long time now. Um, we've seen some good players over the years. Uh, there, there probably is some misty-eyed nostalgia um, about the team that got us promoted. <laughs> um, maybe a wee bit before that as well. So, uh, if you don't make it, uh, apologies. Uh, there's probably quite a number of yous who would be very close to getting in uh, if you haven't made it. So, yeah. goalkeeper, Ali. I think for me, it's the, it's the we struggled with and I, I suppose with all of you know what? I think he's the best goalkeeper I've seen regularly play for City, and in my time watching him is a bit shorter than, than you guys. I think Antel's the best goalkeeper we've had in my time watching. So it would be the current number one uh, would, would be in goal for, for my team. Really? Yeah, he's done really, really well. I think we spoke about this when I'm um, listening to the old podcast when I'm painting on the flat. So he's um, he's done, done really well now. We've had a settle back for in front of him. But old Babs. Well, Mr. McDuff's a cracking goalie as well, but for me, I'm going to go for Andrew Stobie because he was probably. It'd be interesting if we had signed David McGann, what would have happened there? Because we'll talk about that. We could do that one fight. The nearly men. Uh, but I would go for Andrew Stobie, just brilliant to the bottom feet. For me. Aye. Um, I, I would probably side with Stobie as well. I've had some pretty good goalkeepers. I think Antel's. I think he'd, he'll admit that he's silly. So that I had a shaky start to begin with, but over the last two or three years, he's come in a really, really good game. He saved us from a few hidings. Um, much like uh, uh, Stobie, I think he had a wee bit of injury problems as well. Uh, obviously, he had Babs a wee bit further back. We had uh, Duncan Monteith, whose warm-ups uh, kicking about. It was, we used to nickname him Hagita because of all these big high kicks and all this kind of stuff. Um, I want... And I tell you what, he was brilliant at saving penalties. Um, from my, from my recollection, uh, but I, yeah, I would I would side with with Stobie as well. Obviously, part of the promotion team. Even Bobby yeah. Venemos as well was part of that. You know, even part of that team and Tino played struggling that day because we were all like, oh, "That's right, aye. what what?" Gregor played the goals that day, you know. Oh, he looked about five foot two. In the I know he did. He looked tiny. Although he probably isn't, but he did look tiny in the goals. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so we have I think we've been fortunate and yes. very fortunate to have some really good goals. Right, so we're, like, we're okay with that then. Right, centre halves, uh, I think the very obvious one. Shall I just say Joe Mabu right now? Absolutely. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, middle, perhaps, middle of the back three, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, perhaps unsurprising for many people, 
uh, who's ever listened spoke to me, Rooney Ali, or uh, uh, anybody else who's been there for a while. Uh, Joe was unquestionably probably the best centre-half I've seen in City. Um, yeah, I'd probably argue with that. I mean, he made... We had a very, very good... Yeah. A very, very good team in the Lone League. And he turned out for a very, very good team in a championship winning team, I think. And I think his yeah. signing really, really yeah. changed the dynamic and changed the route of where this club was going. Um, obviously, we'll come on to somebody else who's obviously had a massive influence on the team. But yeah. I think in terms of us getting that final push to be promoted, uh, it was Joe. I mean, like me and Rooney were at the celebrations at the at the social club after uh, the famous Jager bomb incident. Um but I think you can see how, how much regard he was held in by the players. Yeah. He, he was the last in. Every, every, all the players came in. It was like an applause and a shake hands for everybody else. And he came in and everybody, all the players just erupted. You know, all the players started singing the Joe Mabu song. You know, it was like, like like the king had just walked in. You know, it was it was, it was, it was a sight to behold. It was one of these things you had to really experience. But it was it was unquestionable just, just the esteem Joe was held in. And I think when he came back to do the half-time draw last last year as well, you can see that as well. Yeah, um, I couldn't um, I couldn't really believe that the you know there's a photo of us obviously because the fire was sponsored. Them. Not that we're you know that's any impaired their judgment at any point whatsoever. I couldn't believe how short he was. Aye, because we, we have a picture all together. Mm. I mean, there's, there's there's two guys here, six foot five. You're what six two yeah. six three? Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm five ten, and Joe is. Uh, the second smallest. <laughs> um, I know, so honestly, I th- yeah, we were all like, and then he, he, you know, he didn't get brought. He was he was cracking sweet there, whatever. He stood sweet there, so like before we started playing with league or my stuff, and then um, you know, he was he was he was he was a good lad, but you were just like, so Joe, you're you're really quick. And then I don't think any of us the question to go, can't believe how short that is because he's just like an absolute mountain of a man on the football pitch. But he maybe, you know, he'd come across like that. I think for me, when you look at Joe's, you know, talking about his physical, he was incredibly quick, it was remarkable. But I think the reason he looked so tall was he read deliveries into the box really well. His positioning was absolutely superb. So he never got caught by being like Either that or he had a, the ball was magnetically attracted to his head or something, but it just it was just remarkable. Yeah. I think you've got to give the guy credit for his football intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think you do, and I think that's what's put him aside from other players because he was, um, yeah, I think and the, he's one of the three that, that Bob mentioned that was going to be in everybody's team. There's absolutely um, what yeah. he just wants to put in. Definitely. Yep. Um, should we discuss the Jager bomb incident or leave that to the side and leave out, leave yeah, the listeners hanging? Yeah, <laughs> it's in print anyway because I wrote about it, so it's no, not it's a big thing. Joe said it was a good article, so I can't. He's obviously not that bothered about. <laughs> obviously, this is my boot in the reader. Um, <laughs> uh, right, the next centre half, Ali. Who we going with? Right, so I'm going to pull in a player from the current team. Who was it? Left, who was it? Left back on my uh, uh, on, on, on when I was uh, having my back four. But one of the great benefits of this player is that he can tuck inside, uh, play the left hand side of a back three. He's uh, certainly our most handsome player that I've seen play for when we're sitting in it. Rab Matt is just an absolutely yeah. tremendous football player. Just uh, in respect of what era you're talking about, I'd say I think you've just got to see about the guy's quality. It's just 
through him. Like, we makes it a better team. It makes, it, makes it a better team every time he plays. We miss him hugely. He's a creative influence. He's absolutely rock solid. Um, again, just a, a, a tremendous football player who probably deserves a higher uh, deserves a higher stage. than us. hopefully we can give him it. You know, as, as we progress through the divisions, fingers crossed. But yeah, uh, rather than that for for me, left side and centre half. Really? Well, the only current member of the back three that I have. Uh, I have Balladoni. Um, I think as much as Balladoni's, <laughs> you know, he's getting a bit slower because he gets a wee bit older. But I think when Balladoni came in, Balladoni was a a real signing of like intent to go. Wait a minute, you know, this guy's played in the Premier League. You know, this guy. I, I know Rabs. You know, down at York and stuff like that, and the Rangers and stuff like that. But. You know, when Balatoni came in, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, this guy's top notch. This guy can still be playing when he first signed for us. He'll still be easily playing in the championship. Um, just use his quality. Granted, obviously, he's a bit older now and he's reading the game differently and how he's playing and whatever. But to me, I think he's, he has he's been a class act for us. Um, I think he would be a shame, to be honest. Um, I've got Balatoni and Maya 11, but on the other side... On the right-hand side. Um, as, as you brought up, Sexy Rab Mac, um, and I think everybody knows my, my great fondness for him, I was actually tempted to change my three to a four to accommodate him. Oh, 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 right, because originally, originally on my left-hand side, I had Chris McKee. Well. Um, I, I was a huge fan yeah, of Chris McKee. I, I, I thought... I thought uh, Obviously, a wee bit unlucky with injuries, but I thought they'd be him, Joe, and who's the other one? Fraser right. Patterson. Fraser Patterson or, or, yeah, Fraser or Patterson. Um, or, or, or Shegsy as well. Yeah. Um, just really played well together. But I'm happy to forgo Chris McKee for Sexy. Um, so apologies, 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 Chris. Uh, but I, I, I make no secret of the fact I think Robbie McIntyre is an absolute Rolls Royce of football player. Um, he's as I, as I described him on another another pod. I called him the Dennis of the Edinburgh City, <laughs> mainly for the simple fact is that he's so consistent, he's so good at his job, he never lets you down, he's never let us down. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to put put sexy as the left side. The thing is, well, I've maybe jumped it in there because the left side of my centre half, I did have this with you as well. That was oh. my other centre half. Oh, oh, it's because of the debate. Uh, oh, I'm not making an executive decision. That's the problem. You pencil it, pencil it in with what you've got because we might not agree on a midfield, and you might be able to slot somebody else in that midfield. Whoever's playing this team is going to have a, a field day down the channels if it's Balotelli and Christie. <laughs> I mean, come on! You've got to have a bit of athleticism in the team. That, this is true, but this is where some of the midfield comes in. That's why I wanted a halfback and you oh, guys didn't. Right. That's why you guys wanted a halfback and I didn't. Like, no, sorry, I wanted a halfback, you guys didn't. So, and the thing is, Rab has played centre half for us and he's played pretty well there. So, I am happy with that. Right hand side, who was your other centre half then, Ali, of the original four at the back? So, I am going to go with a player that, again, obviously, it's the season that we stayed at, the first season we came into it into League Two, and um, 
and I went to look for so long, we just went straight back down and we were a bit of a laughing stock for a while. There was one moment where everything looked like, you know, what everything's going to buy against us, we are going to go here, we were away at our growth um, and the clock was, was ticking down and a player who came to us, a 17-year-old boy on the 17-18-year-old boy, just tackled the ball into the net and it was, I was, it wasn't like I had you guys were at the game, I was, I was at home watching it. That's the, the most I ever celebrated goal when I wasn't actually at a game. Yeah. Right, it just was that moment that just brought everything. And it was a good and it was, do you know what? It was talking, and it's, it's Ryan Porteous I'm, I'm talking about. Here, a guy who will go on to be capped for Scotland, I don't doubt about it, who will go on to have, I think, a reasonable sum of, sum of money. So it's great to see someone that comes from, so that's, you know, great to see him progressing through. But I was chatting away, I remember when he got uh, one of his many red cards against, I can't remember if it was against Rangers, but it was one of these ones we slowed down and just went right through the boy. It was a reckless, ridiculous, stupid challenge. And I was chatting away to one of my pals, who's used to come up a few set of games. I was like, he was actually a calmer, more composed player at 17, because he had a boo next to him. And then we talked about Joe earlier, that football attention. Joe used to talk on two games. Yeah. And I actually thought, course, would smash it and have everyone laughing at the tackle. But um, he was a, a great, Brought a great energy to the side. You can see his raw talent, and you know, it had a huge role in keeping us in the in the division that year. And if we dropped out that year, I don't think we'd have been back in it anytime soon. You know, it was we, we had our real chance to get up and move because we was two chances really. But we took it, it took it to that second second goal. We'd gone down again, and we would have been there. So if it wasn't for Ryan Porteous, I don't think we'd be here. Um, I think it was a good balance. To, so that he completes my my back the Porteous on the right hand side. Really? Well, you said Balatoni, yeah? I said Balatoni. As much as, as Porteous has had a, had a big back to play, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, the name Russell Latipi went past me. Latipi only played one Scottish Cup game, you know what I mean? I'm not saying he's not. He had a, he's had a big part to play, but I think, you know, he's longevity for what the other guys have done. I think that was for me was, was, was with Porteous, knowing he was on loan and things like that, and that, that all goes against him, but it was the impact he had, yeah. actually. The, the moments that were, were enough to, to just push him in my push him into my side. Um, oh, it's a tough one because uh, again, anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge fan of Porto. Uh, not just for that goal to give the first edition of uh, scenes in a way match. I'm getting over seats on top of a dugout. Uh, the boys next to me cracked his head in a wall. Uh, Doogie Gale's mum is shouting on speaker while I'm sending his in celebration. Um, <laughs> Uh, I believe Jal was celebrating in the boardroom before he got, oh, shouldn't you be doing that kind of look? Um, <laughs> everybody piling on in the corner, the referees piling on in the corner. <laughs> um, yes, he also, got a, he also got the Players Player of the Year that year. Um, so yeah. as a 17 year old, that's a, that's a huge reckoning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Porto. I think you're right in what you say is that you had Joe talking them through games and that made a massive difference. Uh, obviously, Myself and Rooney have spoke to a couple of our Hibs friends in the group chat about that, saying that part of the problem is he's, it looks like he's not really getting that kind of education for, say, Paul Hanlon or a, or a Darren McGregor or somebody like that. Like, I, I don't watch a huge, huge amount of Hibs, so I, I might be wrong, but certainly that's the feeling I'm getting from Hibs fans. Part of, the, part of that problem is he's no... So some of it is just because he's an absolute key case sometimes, eh? But yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why he was say to us at League Two because he could just go and kick folk and get away with it. Um, no, oh, don't know. Right, can we come back to that one? Can we come back to that one? Right, let's get into midfield then. Come right, on. Left, left wing back. 
I suppose it can only really be one guy, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's only one guy, but I think it would have been better in my formation, but I left wing back. Is, you've got to remember, you've got to remember for this player, is that we saw when you could run. Well, that's true, I suppose. I suppose. Um, but and he, he played, and he, even later on, he played. Yeah. Aye, and, and, and he played. And he played in that position for a for a long yeah. time. Like, well, he's, 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 um, he's, he's certainly he's captain. He's on penalties. He's on set pieces. It's doing it here, obviously. But yeah, I'm just going back for 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 me. The, the shortest discussion of the night. Yeah. Yes. Aye, aye. So, so Douglas, the the all time record holder for probably every single statistic apart from goals in a season. Yeah. Um, and that probably could bookings and <laughs> cards. <laughs> you would say, shy talking back to referees, eh? Um, aye, so, so Douglas is, is really the easiest pick of the night. Um, it would be, we'd be totally remiss not to have our, our, our all time record holder in there, I think. Yeah. Uh, cracking servant, fitting that he scored the penalty that got us promoted. Uh, he says he was the calmest man in the stadium. Who are we to disagree? Yeah, yeah, a yeah. wonderful, wonderful picture just after he hit it. Yeah, and it, it looks like he's almost laughing at the keeper. <laughs> um, but I'm sure he said to us on Twitter, it was it was something to do with the the, the, the referee. No, it wasn't the goalkeeper. There was guys behind him getting abuse or something. So it was like laughing at them as if they say, "Look, I've scored." Because let's face it, I, I can't even ever miss a penalty, especially because City, when it came to penalty shootouts over the years, I've been absolutely rank rotten. Yeah. You know, I can only really remember us winning a, like one or two. One, I think, was against Spartans in one cup final, and one was against uh, Alaba in the Iron Brew Cup, because otherwise we'd be absolutely shocking. We got promoted, and I went down to the Peppermilk uh, with my dad to watch us playing against Whitehall Welfare in that East of Scotland that thing that we won at, you know, that we won at the, the Orium last yeah. year. It was the first time they'd ever won it. I went down with my dad to watch it, and we were sitting watching. We've got me a penalty that day. I was standing watching it with my dad. The jazz there, he's like penalties. No, this year, eh? he's like, hey, what? You know what I mean? Oh. He's like, you're like, oh, I, I, I remember going up to Broro for the for the play for the playoff, and that penalty shoot, and that was just horrific. Yeah, you know I mean, going all the way up there, getting there like on a bus that was like about to break down any two seconds, I think. Thinking you're at Inverness, thinking brothers just round the corner when you've probably got another two hours to go. Um, getting there for about half an hour and trying to sink as many pinks as you could to try and calm the nerves. <laughs> then you get to a penalty shoot and folk missing. Joe's one that rattled the bar that's still rattling. To get hit off the bar and went to Mars. Um, sorry, Joe. Let's sorry, Joe. Let's move on to um, positive moments. <laughs> be fair, we have we've spoken about it. We got promoted with Dougie's penalty. So, was it, was it all? Right, right wing back. Uh, I'll let you guys go first because I've probably got somebody that is maybe slightly out of the box. I mind um, you, completely right out of the box because as much as Thompson's done really, really well, this man deserves his place in football history for, uh, I don't know if we'll get shithousery, just how he acted, a converted winner, and purely because, for me, he gave Keith Anderson, my good pal, Mr. Spartans, an absolutely tight the day we got promoted in the social club um, because it didn't help his flat the tie on and he was missing in the city that day it has to be Jordan Cado it has to be even if it means that we play with 10 men every week and Cado just like Cado's your man for me Ali so I 
obviously, as I've mentioned, had a different formation, a better balanced formation than yourselves. Um, where, so I, I was torn between moving. So Trommel was my right back. I think I'd been a back four. I think at right wing back, when he's been at us, I don't think he's been mobile enough to play right wing back. So I have to go on what I've seen there. Obviously, we've got, you know, we've got Judy taking the, the, the set piece and things. So, so I, you know what? I'm going to agree. I think, I think John Cado actually came. He got a lot of, you know, I think he probably hung around the, the team and it came into the into league two longer than people expected. Yeah. Um, and that's real credit to the lad for, for the work he did. Um, probably underrated as a player, Tom's at totally depression. Uh, but you need that in the, to get through in the, the you know, team, a, team of nice guys. So, yeah, look, I'm happy to go with Cado at, at right wing back, to be honest with you. Um, I'd be happy with that because if you're looking for energy, Carol gave you that because we'd run all day. Yeah, yeah. He would run yeah. up and down that wing all day. Um, there's probably other right backs I can think of. Uh, my pick actually was going to be John Dunn. Um, he played he played absolutely everywhere for City. I thought he looked most comfortable at right back or right wing back. Uh, gave you enough energy, but even when he wasn't maybe as fast as he used to be, uh, I think Dunny's Dunny's uh, football brain. Yep. Would, would, would help a lot in those yeah. situations. But I, I'm happy to go with Cado, uh, especially if we're lacking a bit of, a bit of oomph. Uh, and obviously, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big man for shithousery, um, which we'll, you'll find out when we get to one of our forwards. Uh, Cado is full of it. Um, so, yes, I'm happy with Cado. Right, we'll go with Jordan Cado right wing back then. Happy with that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, now, midfield. Uh, I'm, I'm suspecting that the next person who I'll be picking in the middle of the midfield um, probably wouldn't have too many complaints. Uh, would be Mark Laird. Nope. Um, I think he's arguably, in terms of terms of general class and overall ability, Laird has possibly been the best player I've had. Uh, certainly since I've been watching, um, I think uh, if Jar listens to this, we know Jar's feelings on Laird. Um, I'm pretty sure he would give, make him a saint if he had the ability to do so. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mark Laird. Any, any, any further we need to say on Laird? No, just a class act, absolute class act. I think uh, when when the gaffer came out last season and had a big moan about saying you can't tell us we're a team that can't play without Mark Laird, I think that tells you how important he's been over the last few years. Um, he obviously came in at a time when we were struggling in the league. Form immediately changed as soon as he came in. He got played a month, I think, a month after. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Huzzy's been niggles and that, obviously, as he's getting older, but uh, he's arguably the best midfielder in the league. Um, his, his footballing brain is, is second to none. I think you can tell as well how much the players like him through the, the kind of on the bench stuff last year because every one of them said something nice about him. Yeah. You know, and it was really positive. And who would you want to listen to about football the other day? Hugh Jing's going to go to coaching the other day. You know, I think that just shows how much the garden's got. Yeah. Um, right. Next, ne- next to Matt Laird. Well, I went for three in middle because we're, uh, and we discussed this off air about wingers and really having a consistent winger with a bit. <laughs> I was racking my brain. And I was like, I go for three up front. I try and put, like, I really like Alan Smith. I thought Alan Smith was really good, but put on an all time Mahomes hard. So I went, I've kind of shoehorned it into a three in midfield, and I went for John Dunn and Ian McFarlane. Okay. Ali? 
I'm happy to say that actually I, I agree entirely. So my midfield three is 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 Liam's, McFarlane and and Dunn. Uh, the idea being that each of them can 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 go in either direction. Um, all clever enough to play to to cover for each other, play different different roles, get up and protect them. Well, protect that. That actually, to be fair, I'm glad we've got those three all fit guys. People want to take that back to me. Uh, suggested at points there. Um, so yeah, I think Ian McFarland was a really underrated player, such a clever football player. Um, really, really good technically. Um same goes for John Dunn. He obviously I think Dunn was the last one of the promotion team to 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 leave. And I think we were all quite we were all sad to see him go and I don't think it was just nostalgia. I think we all thought there was still really something he could do. Yeah. Brave on the ball, clever on the ball, made good runs. Obviously, I'm lucky with injuries and you know a long, a long spell out. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my midfield. My midfield three, you know, Lackey was unlucky not to be in that. To yeah. be honest with you, but you know, I think just in terms of balance, that's yeah. So that's my three. So I'm happy to agree with Rooney. Um, I'll happy. There's one. I'll, I'll come back to it in a second. Uh, yeah, you're right. We 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 done it in terms of how we left. I think we're all a bit. Well, that's a bit upsetting, really. Um, and not just because he was the last one, because I think, as you see, he's an intelligent footballer. Um, obviously, the fact that he managed to last so long as well showed that the club, uh, obviously, James handing out contracts to carry on giving one to, to John would say, yeah. Um, the good thing with Dunning being in the midfield is that he can drop back into the left-hand side or right-hand side, such was his versatility. Um, Ian McFarland, I have absolutely no disagreement with um, he would be one of my first picks every day of the week in the eleven. I love that boy. Uh, I still love the boy. I had an engine like I've never seen. He would get up and down that park. He was intelligent. He sometimes frustrated some of the old guards with the way he played football. But I think that was more intelligence because he had a tendency to turn back a lot. But that wasn't just to kind of turn back. It was so he was turned back for the sake of it. It was really because he wanted to retain the ball. And rather than just punting up the park to aimlessly... And then immediately it goes to them and they've got an attack. He was holding the ball so you could start all over again. Um, I thought him and Levy played really well when they got to the point together. Uh, Ian obviously suffered a wee bit, I think, with injury as well. But I've got absolutely no problem with Ian McFarland. Um, yeah, I'll probably be happy with Dunny as well. What what I really wanted was a half-back in there to kind of protect the two. There was a player that used to play called Scott Hunter. Um, if, if Rooney can remember him that far back, mm-hmm. playing the promo- played in the East Scotland team. Um, I spoke to Jab about him as well. He said, "Don't realise I went that far back." Yes, I do. <laughs> um, he was he was a, he was just a very good, technically minded player. Um, he played the centre half or half back, for what I can remember. Uh, I think we're all. He was the first player I ever took with I when me and me Craig and Elliot first started going. Um, Jab, when we were speaking about him, he was a fan as well. Uh, part of the other reason that would have been nice to have him is because uh, a certain team that are, are, uh, that we share a ground with, um, their fans absolutely detested him. Um, they used to give him pelters constantly. That was one of my abiding memories of first starting going. There was like, a, like three old guys that used to come all the time. And there were Spartans fans, but they sometimes came to our games if it was like cup games and all that kind of stuff. It was like Waldorf and Statler and a pal. Right? <laughs> and every time, every time Hunter got the ball, it was like, Dogs abuse. <laughs> right? But it was like, know when you get players that you just abuse, and it's not because you didn't like them, it's because they're good. Yeah, yeah. It was that type of abuse, you know? So I, I, I would have shaded him in, but I'm happy with that three. 
Uh, I think there'll be other people around the club that will be happy with that three as well. Obviously, there is Blackie. Um, I'm a huge fan. We're all huge fans of Andy Black. I think everybody at the club is. Um, obviously, got our first player of the year award as well. Um, I think just really, if it had been longevity and he'd maybe played as many seasons as, as Ian or, or uh, John Dunn, then he might have a, a stronger argument. Um, I think in terms of appearances, I think Ian McFarlane might be second for outfield players. I think. I might have to yeah. confirm that with Alec Milne. But he's another one that came through our system, came through well. Yeah, it's just like, it was just like, all three of them are cracking players. Absolutely no problem at all with that. So, what does that leave us with? Two centre forwards? Yeah. Oh, yeah. the big decisions. It's, well, I don't, I mean, you, 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 we've got a really good current crop that have been, you know, you go to hand running guys like that have done really well in their career and then, you know, they come to us and whatever. But I think for me, there's only two guys. It's, you can't not pick Blair Henderson for how many goals he's battered in. And you can't, mm-hmm. for the same token, you can't not pick Ross Allen for the amount of goals he's got. Pure and simple, we might not get much running out the two of them, but you know, they'll certainly no miss many. So if the three of midfield can put a plate for them, I think we would have more chances of winning than we would lose. Um, I don't want to disrespect. No, I'm sorry, Blair. I don't want to slate you too much because you work a lot. You do work a lot harder than Ross for work to be paid. And 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 Blair actually manages to stay on site. Yeah, well, that's true as well. That 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 got me a bit mad near the end. Ross, Ro- Ro- Ross, and Zaggy Allen. Uh, I, I think we called them for a number of years. To be fair to Ross, though, when you, you know Ross is more of a you know Ross worked the channel as well and. Especially when he, you know, he got, you knew he was one on one with a, with a, with a centre half. You know, that's when he's, his eyes lit up. You know, I mean, he came alive. So we're tongue in cheek covering the pop at him, but you know, him you, you to me, you can't not have those two. Yep, uh, Ali. I just he's going to pick Alan Smith. Eh? <laughs> um, I am, and the reason I am is because. I just thought what I would be like watching a Blair Henderson and Ross Allen fight partnership <laughs> and how, how long it would take before I got a text from the chairman asking me not to come back until I've cut <laughs> it because I think it would just be too frustrating. You know, Blair has to be there for, for the goal. The goals were ridiculous, you know, like it was national coverage for his goal scoring exploits and things. And, and you know, with the balance of it, the balance, you could bring Ross off the bench. Ross can sit on the bench and come on for. I'm not to play with Claire. Uh, no, I just wouldn't, wouldn't be for you give me sleep this night. But I think I'll sleep tonight thinking about it. I'd be uh, my blood's boiling already. But no, it's got everyone knows how big a fan I am of, of Smithy. Um, it's a difficult one to pin because he's been injured so so much. But I think just on on ability and what he brings to it, that's going to be brilliant. And I think the power as well. I think they drive up together from wherever is the, the stay in the border. So that'll be a nice wee uh, a nice wee strike partnership for, for me. Right. Um, perhaps controversially, I didn't have Blair Henderson in my two. Um, again, again for reasons of longevity. Bob Fallon, media guru for the club. You know, oh, yes, Blair. It's no, it's no. It's no, it's no slight. It's no slight on Blair. I think he's a fantastic striker. I think that 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 season he had was incredible. He's obviously had these problems with injuries over that, but even when he's playing, he's still scoring. Um, I totally agree with Ross Allen for me uh, if you want a, a wee bit extra in terms of shithousery department uh, Ross, Ross puts, I think Sergio Ramos has got one speed dial to be honest um, he was just incredible at being a top 
top shithouser. Uh, that day at Cove, where in the, in the playoff semi-final, when we beat them 3 nothing, was like nothing I'd ever seen. I mean, the Cove manager was on up the touchline after him and everything. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't get anything better than that. You know, you know Ross Ballantyne's doing, heli- Ballantyne's doing helicopters and that on the airplanes and that in the pitch, and there's Ross Allen came running by the coach and all that. Joe Chivin yeah. running after him. <laughs> they fit the cold manager, and he got a lot closer to Ross than he sent the half did that. Day, so. <laughs> um. that. That's fair enough. And I mean, I, I think was it the third goal up at Cove? I started to reminisce slightly. I was in the pie stand because it was like a pie queue. Like yeah, it was the third goal. Yeah, yeah. It was like a trailer type pie stand. We were in Cove. We were in Beruri. Oh, we were in Inveruri, yeah. yeah. It was in Inveruri, but obviously it was a cool foot, but it was like a trailer thing. And I, I can't remember if it was Ross, was it Ross's, was I Ross's second or Gordon Donaldson's goal? And they scored that. I'm jumping up and down and I'm giving it a proper get it right up you and all this kind of stuff. Eh? I was only fan, the only City fan, and amongst the 100 Cove fans. And they're all staring at me. So I'm proper giving it one of these up these kind of routine. And then uh, just calmly went back to my place in the queue. <laughs> like nothing happened. They're all just looking at me. A guy threw his pie at me like the boy. He was just like, oh, I just took your pie. <laughs> um, but yes, obviously we were spurred on there by, by Ross's uh, beautiful antics. That's all I can say. I want uh, to say before, obviously, you've, you've been giving up all big licks to the Cove guys. Uh, Thanks very much to the Cove board member who I paid on money before the game for two programmes and he did send it up. So I have still got one. Oh. I gave one away, but I have still got one. So thanks, everyone. It was a, it was a very good day. They were very hospitable. I can't complain with that at all. No, no. They were actually really nice for for the most part, uh, especially because I didn't get my head in my hands to play with. Um, it, it, but it's another ground <coughs> to the board that has a bar attached to it. Yes, um, another one. Another one. There's quite a lot around the. <laughs> but now, if we ever do get our own ground. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be something we, we need to think about. Anyway, my final uh, forward selection is going back a little bit, and I had Robbie Ross. Yeah, going back. I, um, I remember now, that. Yeah, yeah I remember. Now, now for, for for those that maybe didn't see Robbie, Robbie was for me was East of Scotland versus the player Henderson. Yeah. Um, he scored a ridiculous amount of goals. Ridiculous. Um, and he, it, there was never any doubt, I think, when he got in front of a goalkeeper where it was going, and it was in the back of the net. Um, he eventually got us a fee by going to Arbroath, and it was Arbroath, uh, after me and a couple of pals had given the Arbroath manager an unwitting scouting report. Um, we were sitting there, it was like a cup replay or something, and it was a guy in Arbroath jacket, and we just never thought anything of it, just Arbroath for further close, Ken, that type of idea. So what's, uh, what's your opinions on the, the number nine there, lads? You come a lot. Aye, we do, aye, aye. What's, what's your opinion, Robert? Oh, he's, yeah, he's good there again, King. Plays off the shoulder. You know, one-on-one, he's pretty good and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's good to hear, that's good to hear. Aye. He looks all right, aye. Three days later, he signed for them! And I was like, oh, no! <laughs> We've just managed to get him sold! <laughs> um, but yeah, I, w- I was a huge fan of Robbie. I mean, if he could see properly, he'd probably score even more goals. That's even frightening. <laughs> Um, oh god, it's a tough one. Oh, they have to make this decision. Can someone else do it? Well, um, if me and if me and uh, Ali do, well, well, Ali won't have seen Robbie, so we're going for blip before my time. You've got. I get what you're saying, right? But we've got a guy who got what the Iron Iron Bruiser Tunnel and the Golden Boot, the Tartan Boot. 
and at a higher level, I guess, as well. You know, I think there's respect for Robbie Ross or anybody else has done previously in the club, but there won't be many guys, touch wood, we do have them, but I don't see many guys breaking that record. No, I don't no, think anybody will. So, just, not at the level we're at at the moment. So, fantastic. Fantastic. Right. So, right. so, right, okay, you've convinced me, you've convinced me, Blair Henderson. You've convinced me. And I think you're probably right on balance. But again, that's one of those nostalgic, wistful looking back. Oh, look who it used to be. Oh, was it so great? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing in the East of Scotland League. Oh, okay, no part matches, it was the boys. Um, <laughs> I do miss it something. Like, I don't think anyway you can say we don't miss some of that kind of aspects. Um, but obviously, you, you have to progress, and the club's progress beyond, I think, what anybody ever imagined. Eh? Um, yes, we'll go with Blair. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Mr. Moncrief. I'm going to have to go with Ross. Um, I, I just think did Ross win the penalty away to Sterling? Yes. So, it was a dive. It was no, it was not a dive. It was a brutal, brutal <laughs> assault. I think, I think diving, diving to win the penalty to get us into the. Into yeah, the I think there was contact, but I think as soon as <laughs> there Ross wasn't much, by the way, Ross went <laughs> past the guy. If Ross was clear, he'd be shooting. If he felt any contact. So, I mean, there was, there was, I don't, the thing was, there wasn't any too many, there wasn't too many complaints for you stubborn players on the day, and I think generally sometimes you can tell by players' reactions. Um, and and not the really boy, because it was the boy that got sent off in the first leg, and they appealed it for him to be able to play. That's and then I, <laughs> and I mean, the referee had no hesitation. Don Robertson had no hesitation, just pulling that red card out, um, and giving and giving the spot penalty. I mean. I don't know. Have you watched the back yet, Rini? Because you were facing me as yeah. I was watching it because you were too much a shite bag. Yeah, no, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an iconic photo of which I might put in the video at some point of um, of the boys cheering that I'm with and I'm sitting about five steps down with my head in my hands. <laughs> so I've not watched a penalty for a long time. So, yeah. So I've seen it since, yeah. We did penalty. <laughs> well done, um, aye. So, aye. So, uh, for, for many reasons like that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll pick Ross. Uh, he was he, he was he was a good striker. He was a good player. Yes, he did have his faults. Yes, he could be a bit lucky. He's a couple of things at times. But if you're asking for a goal, then Ross was always good to get one. Um, if he could just somehow keep on side, that would have been brilliant. Um, I think I made a, when, when he first moved to Spartans. There was a Spartans tweet came up. So like three minutes into the game, and it says Ross Allen caught offside, and I quoted tweeted it off as the supporters come back in and went get used to that boys. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Ross. Sorry, Ross. We're, probably, it's just, we're, we're tongue in cheek. We're tongue in cheek. <laughs> That's why you're in the team. Um, right. So I've got, one, I've got one decision to make whether I make it Balatoni or Ryan Porteous. Uh, I, I would be disappointed if it was Porteous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a bit of emotional blackmail before I make the decision. No, because, you know what I mean? I, I totally agree because it's the same case with Alan Smith. Aye. No, he's, he's, been, he's a cracking player, but he's not played enough for me to be all time. You know, well, I, I think because we obviously we mentioned the lack of black being there because of longevity. Um, I think if we had a substitute bench, we would have black Smith and Portia sitting on it. Aye, um, I would. I, I'll, I'll, we'll side with Conrad. Yeah. I, I think. I think yeah, when he came in, uh, sorry, Ali, you've just been. Doing, your team's just been completely decimated there. No, hold on, hold on. He's got, he got, he managed to get six in that back in. He got the same three midfielders. Okay. The same three midfielders. He agreed with Cado, and he got Blair Henderson when I wasn't sure. So what, what are we going to complain about here? Okay. 
He's got that sceptical look. If you get this on video, guys, you're going to see it. He's got a really sceptical look on his face. Um, but I think, right, so what we've got, for anybody that's listening, if you want to be kind, we've got Andrew Stobie and goals. We've got uh, Robbie McIntyre's left centre-half. Joe Mabui's the middle centre-half. And Conrad Balatoni at right. We have uh, Sir Douglas Gear at left wing-back. We have got Jordan Caddo at right wing-back. Our three centre midfielders are John Dunn, Mark Laird and Ian McFarland. And up front, we have Ross Allam and Blair Henderson. I think that is a pretty good team on the whole. Apologies for anybody who's older that we haven't seen as much. There's obviously guys like Ross McNamara who never got mentioned They maybe should have. Yeah, um, I was going to say Gary played as well. For Gary, Gary Jardin played as well. You know, there's loads of guys like that. Um, I think for a lot of us, I suppose, as we started watching, you never really got to know their names. You just got them by numbers. I remember we used to get play the year of votes. Giles used to come up and says, doesn't matter if you didn't get their names, boys, just put their number. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that kind of like, it was sometimes difficult, really. Um, so I, from that, I think, I think that's a pretty good team. That's a pretty solid that's team. Yeah, I think we've done well. Um, if anybody wants to tweet us on and complain, fire on. I'm half expecting a message for Jal when he listens to this, because what the hell are you doing? Um, can I believe you've got him? You're a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, which is fair enough, you've seen them. Him, yeah. Between him and Alex, they've probably seen more games than anybody else. Uh, so so I think they'll, they'll agree with a lot of them. Probably disagree with some of them, but yeah, that's the nature of anybody putting their best living. If we all agreed, it'd be pretty boring. Um, so why? Right, so that's, that's something a bit different for you to your listeners, uh, just to get away from the monotony of not having any football. Uh, we'll hopefully come back in a couple of weeks. We are... Well, before we say that, is there any final point before I round up the show? Uh, just we need to get something done, if you're done, don't you? Even if it isn't who we want, you know, first anyway. Not, you know, we don't want to let the carry the bag with that surprise guest, but maybe it could be somebody else before we get the surprise guest. Not a surprise guest, I think it's, we, we, we said we're going to get I'm saying we're going to get Jim on, all right, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we've got somebody else on, I think I said that last time as well. We need to get somebody on, we can have a bit of general chat about just to see their perspective as well. Ali, anything you want to add? No, I just I suppose it, we better make sure it's not anybody who just left out that, that first 11 that we tried to invite on. So, uh, so no, no Danny Handlings or, or Scott Shepard's on him. Really, what we're, back here. We're, we're looking at maybe Blair or Rab, that's about it then, really. Aye, aye, or Conrad, or Conrad. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe not after all, if Conrad's on the bell, maybe on. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem with this is that guaranteed, guaranteed Danny's going to read it and he's going to give me absolute pelters on social media. I know he's like. Anyway, yes, right. So as we were, as we were about to finish there, um, we're hopefully going to try and get some interviews. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, we did have the chairman booked in, but uh, unsurprisingly, as I say, is because of current circumstances, um, he's a bit busy. <laughs> uh, when I think everybody can understand that, it's a bit more uh, important uh, trying to figure out what's going on rather than listening to those dafties. Um, also a wee plug for our friend Ash Olsen his book has now hit the Kindle store uh, Good Citizen, Bad Citizen uh, £5 it will cost you not a whole lot of money that's uh, less than two pints in Edinburgh um, you don't need to buy a Kindle to read it um, you just need the Kindle app across any device, iOS, Android uh, whatever tablet that you use uh, I've read half it so far, it's really good uh, it's a lot of positive reviews so if you could give that a check out, that'd be great. Um, I don't think there's much else to add. As I say, hopefully two weeks' time. If we don't have the chairman, 
uh, we'll try and secure somebody else. Uh, if you want to tweet in and complain about our loving, uh, feel free. Uh, but apart from that, uh, it's a good night from Mr. Rooney. Good night. Stay safe, folks. It's a goodbye from Mr. Bancreef. Yeah, goodbye, everyone. It's a goodbye from me, the right rev. Goodbye.